Welcome to the Catching Up Podcast, episode one. I'm Sam Hall, and today we will be catching up with author, speaker, comic book reader, and programmer of the past two crew staff conferences, Crew 15 and Crew 17, Matt Michalatis. Matt is going to bring us into his creative process for programming staff conferences and sort through some of the staff feedback from our latest conference. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Sam. It's a pleasure to be here. Matt, tell us about your role with Crew City. My role, I work uh, primarily on the national level with a couple things. And then I also uh, do some things related to culture change in the organization for crew overall. Uh, which gives me freedom to be a part of things like planning staff conference or what we previously called staff conference. So you program giant staff conferences on the side. All of us, almost all of us who are involved in the planning actually have another job and crew. So it is a side job at various times, and then it becomes more central as we get closer to the conference. And my role is uh, has been on the program side which means anything that happens content-wise. I've been part of the leadership for that. Uh, With Crew 17, it was David Martinelli, uh, myself, and Jermaine Chapman who did that. So then the programming part, the programming sub-team that actually puts whatever's in Moby, for instance, reports to us. Okay, so I've been thinking about just the reality that every two years, 5,000 or so staff come in from all over from different backgrounds, different states, different ministries, different life stages, different churches, all kinds of realities that were coming from. How do you even begin designing a program for all of us? <laughs> it's a great question. One of the things we discovered early on, and this has been true as long as we've been getting feedback on this conference, is that Every aspect of the conference is someone's favorite thing that kept them on staff and someone else's, I might have to leave because of this. So part of the reality is understanding that there is no perfect conference. There's no way to do something that will make everyone happy and feel the way they need to feel and move forward in ministry and be encouraged and all these things. It's just not possible. So instead, we shift our question toward what is the right thing? to say and do in the programming. Uh, One thing that might be helpful, though, that is a shift and I think has made a change in the way the conference has felt in 2015 and then again in 2017 is that it's very typical when you're planning a conference to plan according to your audience majority. So I'm not talking about ethnicity. Typically, at this conference in the past, that's how we did it. We would look at all of our staff, volunteers, part-time staff, who would be coming to the conference and say, how will the majority of them respond to this Bible teacher or this music? And that's how we'd make our decisions, which, as you can imagine, whoever's not part of the majority, whether that's ethnically, gender-wise, theologically, uh, geographically, uh, ministries, so like a smaller ministry versus the campus ministry, for instance, that those other people might feel like, well, a lot of this conference wasn't for me. It didn't speak to me. So one of the shifts we made when planning 2015 was to say, let's step away from planning to the majority of crew and instead plan that every aspect of the conference will speak to someone. 
So there might be a speaker who I really dislike personally, but will really speak to this other group of people uh, in another ministry or from another geography. And part of what that means is that it's increased the feeling for some people that there are now pieces of the conference they don't like because they fell roughly in the majority of crew in one way or another. And so now they're like, man, there's more that I dislike now because there's more pieces that aren't actually necessarily directly for them in the same sense. And at the same time, we've seen people from different minority, again, not ethnically necessarily, but different minority places in the organization saying, I can't believe you brought or did this thing. That's the first time I felt my voice was represented or first time something that I really, really loved was on stage. So that's a pretty big shift. Uh philosophically. And I think that that has changed the experience for some people of the conference. So since we're talking philosophically, what would you say a crew staff conference is for? Why are, why are we doing it? So it's a great question. And I think there's some diversity of opinion among people as far as what people want when they come. So a, a great example, Sam, even in what you just said. So one thing we're shifting toward, which was a big shift this summer, is we've shifted away from calling it staff conference, which for years and years, decades, we've called it staff conference. And, you know, we did the uh, Connection Weekend this year, the idea being well, should we open this up to people we're partnering with in a variety of ways? All these amazing resources we've been enjoying for all these years, all these people we've been connected to, could we bring them in? So that sort of shift is the kind of thing that starts bringing us into a place where we're, we're asking what is the purpose of the conference, right? But I think for sure there are a couple of things that are really clear. Like we want to move people toward our core DNA, the wind build send, uh, our history as an organization, our desire for evangelism, not just locally, but internationally, all those sorts of things, all the things that you would most specifically say, this is what crew is. That's a piece, like kind of guarding that, keeping that safe and, and reminding ourselves of it. Another piece is the desire for people to connect with the Lord and one another, to be refreshed in those things. Part of what we want to do too is to take a good look at ourselves and say, what are we doing well? Where do we need to move forward in the next two years? So it's a lot of things to accomplish in a relatively short conference. You brought up the different needs and expectations that we as staff bring into a yeah. conference like this. How do you then strike that balance between encouraging us mm. and challenging us through the conference program? For instance, how do you decide between presenting more exegetical Bible teaching or leaning more towards cultural issues crew and the greater church are facing? So I think the reality is we'll probably never get the balance completely correct. It's just impossible, especially because of the diversity of our audience. When you look at the age diversity in our audience, for instance, uh, you have people who are past retirement age who've been with crew from the very beginning, which is so amazing. Uh, and then you have these 22-year-olds who are joining staff for the first time, and that's a broad cultural divide even. So what might feel balanced to a 43-year-old like myself and what might feel balanced to a 20-year-old or an 80-year-old uh, might be vastly different. 
So I think there's a piece there where the, it's hard because of the diversity of individuals on a variety of different planes. Uh, but also, I think it might even need to shift year to year depending on where we are organizationally, where we need to go, what's going on in the world around us. So it's, it's more art than science. And I think like art, that means it's really hard to have an objective at the end of the day where you, where you sit back and go, it was a, a complete failure or a, a absolute success uh, aside from the response of the individuals who experienced it. So that, I mean, that's complicated for sure. You mentioned the exegetical preaching piece. So let me talk about that for a minute because there are some people who are saying, what about... The old days where we had a famous pastor come and speak and for four days they would pick a, a Bible passage, of, let's say Romans, and they would just start working through Romans for four days, which is amazing. So good and, and a favorite part of the conference for so many. And there's a feeling, I think, for some that because we haven't done precisely that in 2015 or 2017, that we're walking away from biblical faithfulness or from the Bible. I understand why people would feel that way. The other thing is, one shift we have made is that we've really started looking at our speakers and looking less at celebrity and more at expertise, which is why we've had an increase of speakers that maybe you haven't heard of before. Because we look at what they know and their skills and their their insights and their leadership and we say, this is something we need to be challenged by or informed of or helped with and crew. So we're trying to bring in people who actually are able to move us forward because of their expertise. And we're less concerned about bringing in the big name everyone has heard of, which is exciting, right? We like the big name that everyone has heard of. And I'm not saying that's going away. Like, obviously, we're still bringing in big names. Uh, Andy Crouch this year is a big name. We're not, we're not saying we can't bring in big names. We're saying let's not bring in people because of their celebrity. And then to the actual question of exegetical teaching, I guess I would say I think we would have to have a conversation about what exactly people mean when they're saying this because, honestly, uh, Dr. Emery this year did a decent amount of exegetical preaching uh, with three to four passages in each of her talks. I think we are still having exegetical teaching we are still having Bible talks uh, or sermons, but as we're bringing in more diverse speakers, sometimes the way that someone from another background, ethnicity, theological set, whatever, the way that they speak is less familiar. And so we don't always understand that the message they're bringing is actually what we're asking for. So my, my best example of this that I can think of is probably in 2015, with James White, a former staff, he gets up and does a talk about the great or the Good Samaritan. What's fascinating is I had uh, some staff people from a different cultural and ethnic background than James saying, "Why didn't James talk more about evangelism?" And then I talked to some African American staff who said, "This is the best talk on evangelism we've ever had." So I think there is a piece where there's a cultural learning piece where understanding each other's language and what we're talking about is really important to see sometimes sometimes the things we're looking for are being said in a way that we're just not getting it. And that's not bad 
actually. It means that someone else in the audience is, ha is being spoken to in their language, in their way of thinking, and that's valuable. We want to make sure everyone is getting the message. And, and the best way for us individually to start to get all those messages is not to program necessarily in a different way. It's, it's for us as individuals to start to interact with one another and learn from each other and grow in, the, in how we receive these different messages, which is beyond the scope of the conference. The, the conference is never going to accomplish that. But hopefully part of the point is we lay these things out and the desire to understand moves us toward that personally or in our ministries. I can tell that you have been paying attention, careful attention to all the feedback and had lots of conversations with, yeah. with many different staff. Yeah. How much does our experience and the feedback that we give you and the team, how much does that affect your evaluation or your success criteria for the conference? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge part of what we do. We're always looking for more feedback. We're all coming from different places. So someone might say, I was going through a hard time in my personal life. Here are the three things that were happening. It made it hard for me when this speaker made this comment. And that's the kind of thing that we look at and go, yeah, I can understand that. We might follow up with that individual, but it might not change the overall planning. And then for sure, we look for, um, we look for patterns of how different people are feeling about different things. Say we have a speaker that is controversial in some way, we'll have some people saying, this was, this was terrible, this was the worst thing, and then other people saying, this was amazing, it was my favorite part of the conference. So we have to take that into account too and say, okay, are we, are we doing the right balance here? We spend a decent amount of time looking at everything and for sure it affects what we do at the next conference. Matt, you have mentioned the Connection Weekend mm -hmm. several times and that was yeah. a brand new element. Yep. Crew 17, and the opening ceremony was like nothing we've ever experienced <laughs> at a staff conference. That's fair. Before I'm, yeah, I'm remembering a lion puppet crawling around the stage and a, a big beautiful tree in the middle, a yeah. butterfly, and sort of a nature narrative being read mm -hmm. while this while the puppets are are crawling around and. Um, and then that led us right into the Native American honoring ceremony Yeah. with the drum and the people from the local tribe coming mm -hmm. in and giving us a history of their people yeah. on that land and then inviting us on, giving us an invitation onto their land. Yeah. And I just, it was um, fascinating and so outside the box. Tell me the story of how the honoring ceremony came about. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. So one of the, so one of the things that happened is in my church uh, here in Vancouver, Washington, uh, we have we have several Native people in our church, and some of them invited us at the church to come to a powwow here locally. So we did. My family and I went. Uh, one of one of our church members was actually being honored for her work uh, in in the the local Native American community over the last several decades. One of the things I loved about the powwow when we were there and was really convicted by actually is something that the Native American community is so good at honoring others 
And especially as we're moving into partnership, this is a really important conversation. What does it mean to honor others? One of the things they do is they bring all the elders out and they honor the elders. They did the same thing with honoring veterans of any kind, of honoring guests, even non-native guests. Uh, they just invited different people down and they would hand them the microphone and let them speak. Hey, this elder wants to say something. Hand the microphone over. So there were a lot of things like that. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and I knew already they did this, but to watch it was different. The These people were from all over the United States, although largely the Northwest at this powwow, all the different tribes represented. There were some from the Southwest and other places. But one of the things they do is that the local tribe, which is hosting, is given a special time to talk about their tribe, the history of their people, the history of the land, and to welcome the guests to the powwow and to do a prayer of blessing for them, to basically say, you're welcome in our home. It's a hospitality thing. So the more I thought about this, I thought, I, and I started talking to our team, so I called Wendy Chen uh, Melissa Mackey, I, I talked some to David Martinelli, Jermaine Chapman, a few other people. So I've been thinking about this a lot. I wonder if we could do something like it. And so we talked to Donnie and Renee Begay, who are on Nation staff, so Cruz Native American uh, student ministry, reached out to them and talked to them a little bit about it and said, what would it look like for us and crew to reach out to the local Native community and ask them if we could basically do this, like what would that look like? And they basically said, there is no ritual for this because this has never been done. That there's never been a time that the majority culture has reached out to the native people and asked permission for anything or asked a blessing for anything. And certainly not for coming and using land that they don't see as being the native land. So, but what they suggested was write the student union in uh, at CSU and asked them, the Native American Student Union, and asked them about it. And so I asked Wendy and Melissa and Jermaine to go speak to them. So they, they did. They went and they met the two people who spoke up front, Jan and Ty, who you saw, who both turn out to be believers, actually, which is fascinating. They run the Native American Cultural Center. They're both Native and both followers of Jesus, which was definitely a Holy Spirit moment. So they started explaining to them what we wanted to do and... They couldn't understand what we we're asking for, and they weren't sure that it was legit. And so then to hear this from Wendy and Melissa and Jermaine was this really moving moment. And there were tears uh, from multiple people at that time as they said, yes, we would like to do that. And, and so that ceremony, what it ended up being, which you, most of you experienced it, was this moment of truly saying to another group of people, we see you and respect you and asking them to truly allow us to be a part of their community. Over and over, they kept saying, we've never experienced anything like this. We've never seen this. We've never had, many of them said, we've never had a white group ever come to us and ask for anything. They just come and take. And so the ceremony itself, I know, was outside the box for a lot of people. Many people found it so beautiful and moving. Some people were confused. Some people had concerns that were we doing something uh, that was rooted in pagan spirituality, which we weren't. I mean, I, I can tell you that. that nothing that was done was actually uh, s spiritual in the sense of religious. Um, and again, the people who were leading things were all believers. In a lot of ways, it, it really was about partnership, right? 
And it was about seeing the people around us who are different and entering not with authority, but with humility. And so for me, it was one of the most beautiful moments of the conference. I really loved it. And I know for some others that was true. And for others, it was challenging. And that's okay. Again, it goes back to that philosophy of, so maybe this piece was not directly for every person in the audience. But for those it was for, it was this transformative, beautiful thing. And we've become friends with some native people at the CSU campus now. We organizationally have become become friends. And get this, this is so fascinating. I came back to Washington and I went to church and one of the native women in my church came up to me and said, my friend in Colorado called me and told me about the conference and what crew has done. In this community, this one thing, inviting them in for, for 30 minutes to come welcome and bless us has altered crew's reputation in the Native American community. And it's spreading across the nation. Now, will it go everywhere? I doubt it. But the fact is that somehow I got back to Washington and heard about it from one of my Native friends. And that's amazing. Nations has done a lot of work in that, in that space and are well-respected by a lot of elders and a lot of people across the country. But crew as an organization, uh, that's... That's movement forward for us. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing about that. I I know you said that, so the honoring ceremony was about partnership, mm-hmm. which makes sense. It was the opening ceremony of the Connection Weekend where we invited in our partners. How do you see it fitting into the win, build, send framework that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, so, you know, our leadership has passed down basically four places that we as an organization, the U.S. organization of crew is moving forward in, right? So one of those is partnership. One of those is ethnic diversity and oneness. So moving forward in ethnic diversity as well as in our unity in the midst of that. One of those is evangelism. So becoming more cutting edge in evangelism, making sure we're doing evangelism, all those things. And another is going to the world. So the Great Great Commission, those four things. All four of those hopefully were present in 2015 as well as 2017. I think they were, and I can tell you why. But uh, obviously in 2015, we really emphasized the ethnic diversity piece. In 2017, we pushed pretty hard on the partnership piece. But something like that Native honoring ceremony, for sure... There's a piece about the Great Commission because we want to go to all nations, right? And we have nations within our nation, uh, which the Native people are, uh, not, not just theoretically, but even legally, which is fascinating. We, for sure, as we start talking about evangelism, there are aspects of evangelism that require us being able to enter into a community and become a part of the community or fluent in that community's language, not expect them to come to us to our way of doing things and seeing and thinking and adopting our jargon, our language, so that they can understand the gospel, but that we'd go to them and bring contextualize the gospel to them. Uh, obviously, for partnership and ethnic diversity, there are some pretty clear connections there. So I think that particular piece had all of those things in the midst of it. And as you go through our different, uh, Dr. Wolf and his talks had a great deal to do with how do we 
get along with people who are different than us. Well, that part of that is partnership, and part of that's just the gospel. What does it mean to be vastly different people who are all serving the same God with the same mission, which is evangelism, which is the Great Commission, which is every person on earth hearing the good news about Jesus, uh, or movements everywhere. And that's, yeah, that's part of the story too. So I think those are the four things. Everything we put on stage, we're trying to make sure it matches one of those four things that is connected and moving us forward, which does connect into our core DNA as well. I'm so glad you brought up those four priorities. How can we build more of a bridge between our conferences? I mean, we come in every two years and in between we go out into the world and we do the hard work of ministry. And sometimes it feels like that momentum gets lost between Mm -hmm. maybe crew 15 and crew 17 where they, they stand alone more than they are connected by some sort of messaging bridge that highlights those priorities. How can we change that? Yeah, I think that's an amazing question. One of the feedbacks I hear occasionally about our time in Colorado is I wish someone had just gotten up on stage and told us what to do. Like, what do you want from us? And this is a this is a really important question. And I think what what we need to understand is this. This conference every two years is not a great place for that conversation. The one size fits all advice from up front, like here's what we need to do, tends to be very general things like yeah we need to stay focused on when build sin we need to follow jesus we need to be committed to the word those things are all fine we all know those things and are desiring those things but what the conference does best in my opinion is that we bring up topics uh in a way that we're not telling you you must agree with this or that thing we're saying here uh propaganda would be a great example this summer propaganda comes and says things are complicated we start talking about intersectionality he doesn't say here's three steps of what you need to do he's giving us a tool so that tomorrow when i'm on campus or tomorrow when i'm in the city or talking to families that i'm able to sit down with an athlete and contextualize what i'm learning about intersectionality in that ministry so part of the problem is that we're not trying to tell anyone what to do We're trying to give everyone tools so that their individual ministries can make decisions about what they need to do to move forward in our core DNA, in these four directional things. And that we're trusting that because our staff are filled with the Holy Spirit and love Jesus and are talented people who love ministry and people, that they're going to find solutions to these problems. And that the solution I come up with might not be anything that someone in the middle of Wisconsin needs. They need to come up with a solution. And that might be something that'll spread to the rest of the organization, and I hope it will be. The conference is a place for us to begin to have communal conversations on hard topics, uh, not a place to tell people what to think. And if you're looking and saying, man, we need to move forward in evangelism in this really specific way, or we need to reach refugees in this really specific way, don't wait for someone to say it on stage. Just go do it. There's so much freedom in this organization in the way that we do ministry. And that's a blessing from the Lord that we are so entrusted in our ministry. So get out there and do what needs to be done. Don't wait for someone on stage to tell you it's okay or tell you it must be done this way. You find the solutions. Or if that's not what you're best at, get together with some other staff people who are good at it or volunteers or partners and ask them, what do you, how, here's the problem, how do we solve it? And let's move forward together. 
Thanks, Matt. So you said earlier that the day after Crew 17 ends, you were thinking about Crew 19. So we know you're thinking about it. Yep. What can spoilers? Do you have any? <laughs> uh, I don't have any for sure spoilers because we still need to do some debriefing with our top leadership. You can know for sure that the four directional things we're still going to be talking about. So we're still going to be talking about evangelism, going to the world, ethnic diversity and oneness. We're still going to be talking about partnership. I think it's likely, I can't say 100%, but I think it's likely that we will do a new and improved connection weekend. Uh, there will probably be some changes because this was our first one, um, which there was so much about it that was so excellent. I really actually enjoyed it. And I loved hanging out with some of our partners. Uh, and some of my partners came, which was so cool. It was really fun to have them in the room. Well, we're almost out of time for today. One other thing before we wrap up, I just want to say is that our team really does love getting feedback. And we do have people occasionally write us directly, and you are more than welcome to. If you can spell my last name, you can find me. Uh, Matthew.Michalotis, M-I-K-A-L-A-T-O-S, at crew.org. Uh, you're welcome to write me, Jermaine Chapman, uh, David Martinelli, with thoughts, suggestions, speakers you'd love to see in the future. We take all of those. Now's a good time to start letting us know people you'd like to hear from or things you'd like to see. That's perfectly fine. We'd love to hear from you. Before we go, I have to know if you drove here in your secret lair. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's referring to a, uh, a book I wrote where I said that one of my cars was my secret lair. And actually, I did. You it's still true. have your secret lair. I do. One. It's, yeah, I just fixed the air conditioner yesterday, so it still lives. Nice. So far. That's a Night of the Living Dead Christian reference, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I listened to your Storyman podcast yesterday. Is it true that you're writing six books right now? <laughs> <laughs> I have two books coming out next year. One's a book about evangelism, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and the other is a young adult fantasy novel, which I'm also excited about. So those have been the majority of my time recently, but I, yeah, I'm always dabbling on a couple other things. So I have a few more things in the works. Thanks, Matt. Is there a crew leader that you would love to hear interviewed on the Catching Up podcast? Email me at samanthaholland at crew.org and let me know. And maybe they'll be the next guest. Thanks for listening.